When you step out, opposition steps in. Have you ever noticed that before? When you step out, opposition steps in. As a parent, we have an obligation, a responsibility to protect our children from the opposition, right? You know, when my girls were young, how many of you have daughters? Aren't the girls the best? I can say this. My son's not here. He'll be, is he? No, he's not. No. Sorry, Bryce. <laughs> I love you too. All right. But when it comes to daughters, we, we, we want to protect a little bit more. And as my girls got a little bit older, especially when they got into junior high and it came to uh, dating, uh, you know, when I looked at all the boys out there, it wasn't like there was a certain boy that was the opposition. They were all the opposition, right? And so we had one rule, one rule. I told them when they were in junior high, one rule when it comes to dating, you can't. That was it. You can't. It's not going to happen. And, uh, and, and it, it didn't happen. And, and all throughout high school, I thank God that they bought into this style of courtship instead of just dating around when they're not ready. And, and so when my daughter, Hannah Grace, went off to college and she took that step of faith outside, moving away from home and going to college, the opposition came in. And it was her sophomore year when a young man asked me if I wanted to go mountain biking. And I mean, like, that's my love language. I'm like, let's go. So we started riding mountain, had a great ride. And I could tell he was getting a little nervous. And then I became aware that there was another agenda behind our ride. And he asked me if he could start dating Hannah Grace. And I was offering a minute. And I was like, all right, she seems to be interested in him. Yeah, you can go out for a date, maybe keep it a group date, no hands, you know, all that stuff. So, um, they went out, and they, stared, they dated for a couple of years, and they took it real slow. I was loving it. It was great. There was no I love yous. There wasn't, you know, there was just a hand-holding. It was just, it was, that, that's it. I mean, it was great. And then recently, that same young man asked me to go out for dinner at a steakhouse. This time, I was on to him. I could tell. And, but sure enough, he popped the question. He asked if he could have permission and blessing to have my daughter's hand in marriage. And then just last week, Luke Brogdon did it right on a boat in the Indian Ocean, asked my daughter to be his wife. So they are engaged. Hannah Grace is engaged. I'm excited. I'm truly gaining a son. They love Jesus. And they're both serving a ministry here at the church and feel calling to missions. And we're so excited about what God's going to do through their lives together. But when we step out, the opposition steps in. How many of you are ready to hear from God's word today? I am so glad that all of you are here in person. Many of you are joining us online. It's great to have you with us. We're in a series called From the Ruins. And we're learning that today we're going to discover how to overcome opposition. Because when you step out, when you say, do, want to make a difference in the lives of others and do something significant for the Lord, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be like a, a spiritual resistance. We see it over and over in the Bible. Like in Adam and Eve, when they were walking with the Lord in the garden, the serpent showed up and tried to distract them and tempt them away from God's will. We see Joseph had his brothers. Moses had Pharaoh, right? We, had, we see it over and over in the Bible. Even in the New Testament, Jesus. Jesus had all kinds of opposition, didn't he? He had the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, uh, Herod, 
Pilate, the Roman soldiers, Judas, the devil, demons. There was so much opposition in Jesus' life. And throughout all history, there's been leaders who would step out and then there would be opposition. Daniel LaRusso had Cobra Kai, right? <laughs> and you're going to have opposition as well when you take, unfortunately, it's just true. And the guy that we've been focusing on is Nehemiah. Nehemiah had Sanballat and Tobiah. So turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. He was a cupbearer to a king, and he heard the bad news, the tragic news of what was going on in his hometown a thousand miles away. And it, it seemed just like, man, they were they had no identity. Their walls were down. The gates were down. Things were in ruins. They were hopeless. And, and he was so burdened that he began to pray and fast. And God gave him a vision. And the favor of God led to the favor of others. He went before his boss, the king, and asked permission to go to his hometown to help. And not only that, he asked uh, for letters to be written so he could have a safe passageway, that provisions could be made that, to help them rebuild. And then he gets, he gets back and he starts to inspect the gates that were burned down and the walls. And he went to the sheep gate, the valley gate, the fish gate. The, there, was, there was one called the dung gate. I'm not making this up. Like how many of you would like to live near the dung gate? And, but he begins to closely inspect. And then he, he's just an ordinary guy. He's not a general contractor. And, but he, he starts to, to rebuild. And then ordinary people, like people who were not construction workers, they began to rebuild as well and, and get involved on the wall. And they're, they're starting to, to make some progress. And now we, we look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. It says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Now, the word feeble, it comes from a Hebrew word that literally means a flower that was chopped off. Just a dead, wilted flower. That's what he's calling these people. He's like, what are these, these feeble Jews, these hopeless, lifeless Jews? What are they, what could they possibly accomplish? And he says, will they rebuild and restore the wall? Will they ever off sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heap of rubble burned as they are? Then Tobiah, this is a, one of Sanballat's friends who starts chirping. And he says, what are they building? Even a fox can climb uh, up on it and it would break down their walls of stone. So what do we see? We see that when, when the work starts, the opposition starts. When the work starts, the opposition starts. And what is true with Nehemiah is unfortunately true with you. Because when you take a step of faith, when you start to get closer to the Lord, then you get a target on your back. And many of you are seeing that right now. You're spending more time with the Lord in prayer. You're abiding with him. You're fasting. You're withdrawing from some things to get closer to God. You're, you're spending more time in, in God's word. And as a result, there's some spiritual resistance happening. And, and, and you're saying, well, man, I'm, I'm trying to just do what God wants me to do. What does God expect of me? And some of you are asking that question. In Deuteronomy he makes it very clear. The word of God says, this is what God requires of you, to fear the Lord your God to love him, to keep his commandments, to walk according to all of his ways, to serve him with all of your heart, with all of your soul. This is for your good. And this, as we begin to take these steps of getting closer to him and abiding with him, then, then you get the notice of the enemy. Like if you don't want any 
attention or any, anything. You just coast along. You don't do anything that God would ask you to do. But when you start serving, when you start giving, when you start praying, and, and, and some of you are seeing that. Some of you are coming back to church, and it's been a while since you've been in church, and, and maybe this is your first time back in a long time, and you've gotten, gotten to a big fight with your spouse on the way to church. You're just mad all the way here. Or maybe you're, you're like, I, I want to get out of debt. I'm going to start honoring the Lord. I'm going to be a good steward. I'm going to start tithing. And then what happens? Your car breaks down, right? There's a $700 repair and, and it can bring discouragement. Or, or maybe you, you said, all right, I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to invite somebody to church with me. I'm going I'm to talk to him about Jesus. I'm going to tell him about my story. And the first person you start talking to, what happens? They harden their heart and say, you know what? I'm not interested. And, and although you know that they're rejecting the Lord, not you, it still stings a bit. And so you may be saying, well, I, I, I want to start a small group. And you've gone through the training and you had so much expectation, anticipation for the first night. And then nobody shows up. And, and there's opposition and there's resistance. And again, the enemy is, he's not going to attack. He's not going to oppose people who aren't doing anything significant for the kingdom of God. But if you take these steps of faith, if you're trying to help people, if you're trying to like not just love people in the church, but love those outside the church and be a light, then you can expect some opposition. And oftentimes the opposition takes the form of criticism. Like all the criticism, all the critics come out, the haters, the naysayers, the Debbie Downers, the negative Nancys, they just start talking. They just start talking. And often the biggest boos come from the cheapest seats, the sand ballots right? The Tobias. So how do you respond to opposition? How are you going to respond to your critics? How are you going to respond? Because they're going to be loud and they're going to get your attention. How will you respond? Well, we can discover from Nehemiah, discover from God's word, how you can overcome opposition, how you can respond. So this is the first way you respond. You don't. You don't. You, you don't defend yourself. It's one of the vows of A.W. Tozer, don't defend yourself. We see that Nehemiah, when they start talking, he doesn't get defensive. He doesn't start talking back. He doesn't start calling them names. I mean, it's kind of like human tendency. It's a temptation to want to do that, right? To protect yourself, to defend yourself. And to, and, but we don't, Jesus didn't do it. And we shouldn't, because here's the thing. When you start addressing every critic, you give them power. You give them attention. That's exactly what they want. And you got to rise above this. Because you're never going to change every critic. You're not going to be able to. And so you, you, you're not called to do what everybody else says. You're called to do what God says. What is his will for your life? And you focus on him. You focus on that. How many of you have ever heard criticism about me or our church? Now, don't, don't raise your hand. Because all of us could raise our hand, right? I don't want to be too discouraged. But the reality is that, especially over this last year, no matter how much we pray and ask God to lead us and give us wisdom, almost every decision we've made, we've received some criticism on both sides. And isn't it interesting, like this is a year that more people have offended over more things. And you can, if you say something, you're gonna, you're, people are going to be critical. If you don't say something, people are going to be a critical. And so at the end of the day, we just have to go, God, what do you want? We want to glorify you and, and, and obey you and do what you've called us to do and be okay with that. I, I mean, I can remember a, a couple of years ago when Stephanie and I we were just feeling so burdened to start our church downtown. And so we went to our pastors, Jonathan and Grace Gann's house. 
And we went there for the purpose of, of doing a prayer walk through our city. And we began to walk the streets block after block, just praying and asking God to, to open up doors and bring a team together that we could be a light in a, in a dark place. And that afternoon, I got home, and I got a call, a call from one of our pastors, Kyle Vaultmer, and he told me that a mutual minister friend who uh, we were close to um, was really upset that I was down there. And, and so I tried to resolve conflict biblically, and I, I called my friend, and for over an hour, I just began to listen and, and hear just how upset he was that we were going to start a church downtown. And, and I, immediately I was discouraged. I'll be honest. I was like, man, on the day that we took a prayer walk and we had so much faith and excitement, man, we're hearing this negativity. And, and I remember the Holy Spirit just speaking to me. When it comes to this church and it comes to going this far behind enemy lines, you're going to expect opposition. And so most of the time, the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats, but sometimes they come from your own dugout. They come from that family member. They come from someone close to you. And, and grief is always proportional to intimacy. And it can, it can really cause there to be a doubt. There can really be cause some discouragement come in when someone's negative to you. And when you're taking that step of faith and you're saying, man, I'm really open to wanting to a, a foster a child. And someone says, you can't even take care of your own kids. Why are you going to try to foster? Right? Or... or you, you, you're going to start a small group. You don't even know where the book of Leviticus is. And there's always going to be someone who's going to say something to say, you're not old enough. You're not good enough. You're not young enough. You're not adequate enough. And, and they're going to say all of these things. And you're going to want to say, you're, you're just too, you're, you're, you're too negative, right? You're going to, your knee jerk reaction, but we got to shift our focus from what those negative voices are to the Lord. And, and this is what we see with, with Nehemiah. He shifts his focus. And so how does he respond? First, he doesn't respond to his critics, but he goes to God. It says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. In other words, he's saying like the haters are coming out and they're being negative. Now notice how he prays because it's not how Jesus taught, taught us how to pray, uh, it, but it's very honest and and he says, turn their insults back on their own heads. How many of you like that prayer? <laughs> I've been tempted to pray that prayer before. This is before, you know, turn the other cheek. I mean, Nehemiah clearly had some maturity that needed to happen. He was like, God, just get them, sick them, God. And uh, he said, give them over as a plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. He's like, I want vengeance. I want, I want there to be payment back. And, 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 but notice what happens. Like they're insulting the people. And, and so in verse six, this is, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. Why? For the people worked with all of their heart. They were all in. They were passionate. They, they started to make progress. They got there and they began to work and they put their focus on the wall and they, were, they, they began to work and they were like, it's happening. This is, we're starting to build it up. It's halfway built and no one expected us to do that. And, and people are, are talking noise, but, but they were so focused on the will of God. They majored on the majors and they didn't minor on the minors. And we've got to do that. We've got to stay focused. What is our mission? What is the, Lord, I want to love you with all of my heart. I want to love my neighbor as myself. As myself. I want to focus on accomplishing your will. I want to be laser focused because when you start to take steps and make, and make a real difference in the lives of other people, again, there's going to be opposition. There will be critics. 
But what I love about Nehemiah, there's some just great leadership principles here because he was both spiritual and practical. And a lot of times it's easy to just be all spiritual or all practical. But Nehemiah prayed like it depended, all depended on God, but he worked like it all depended upon himself. He prayed, but then he showed up to work. He rolled up his sleeves, he got the shovel, they began to work. And, and, they, and that's what we've got to do. Some of you, you, you need to be more spiritual. And other, others of you need to be more other things, but we, it's all spiritual, it's all practical. We pray, God, give us wisdom, give us grace, give you your power, but we don't just sit back on our heels, right? By faith, we take steps of action. We roll up our sleeves, we, we get to work, we get to busy, we, we, we become courageous. We acknowledge that God's given us a spirit of power, not a spirit of fear or timidity, and, and we, we take steps of faith. Now look at what happens next in verse 10. These are Nehemiah's people. And they said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. So last week we saw there was progress being made. They were starting to rebuild. And now discouragement is happening. It's happening. This is why it's so important not to be led by either praise or criticism. If you're, if you, if you're influenced only by praise, it can get in your head and lead to pride. But if it's all about criticism, it'll get into your heart and lead to discouragement. And that's what's happening with, with the people. They're, they're starting to believe all of these voices and, and they're getting louder and, and they're becoming discouraged. In verse 11, this is what scripture says. Our enemy said, before they, they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and, and we'll kill them and, and put, this is what their enemies are saying, and, and put an end to their work. Our enemies, they're, they're gonna kill us and they're gonna end the work of God. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack. So Nehemiah's friends, the people, his hometown, they're starting to doubt whether or not they can get the work done. The reality is starting to become distorted. They had a vision. They, they were starting to work. And then the voices started. There was opposition. And some of them are losing heart. They're losing passion. They're becoming discouraged. And this becomes a moment for, for Nehemiah. It becomes a, a moment for all of us to learn. Because when the external opposition gets so loud, the, the external opposition will only be as loud as your internal insecurities will allow them. Okay, now I'm gonna say that again because some of you need to hear this. The external opposition will only be as loud as your internal insecurities will allow. And so how close you are with the Lord, knowing your identity, knowing who you are and what God's called you to do can be an anchor to this. But you've got to say, all right, I'm going to rise above this or I'm going to listen. And, and for some of you, the, the external voices are so loud that you listen to them. You listen to these voices of the opposition, the voices of the enemy, and you're listening, listening. And then you start your voice, internal voice starts matching the external voices and you start listening to yourself and the doubt creeps in that it's never are going to get better, that it's going to get worse, and you're going you're, you're gonna to die, and you're going to embarrass yourself, and, you're, and all those negative voices. And, and there comes a time where you've got to stop listening to those voices, and you need to start speaking to yourself instead of listening to yourself. And that's what Nehemiah does. He starts, he starts he, notice he says, by faith, he says, don't, in verse 14, he says, don't be afraid of the enemies. Don't be afraid of Sanballat and, and Tobiah and all those haters. He says, remember the Lord. 
Lord who is great and awesome. He shifts the attention off of the external and the enemies and the opposition and shifts them to God, the God of gods, who's who's the great I am, who's powerful, who's sovereign, who's awesome, who's good. And he says, remember the Lord. Nehemiah is going, remember, I remember when I was just a cupbearer to the king and I had this vision. If if no one was going to do something, I, I might as well take a step out. And I knew that the odds were just against me that the, my king, my boss, were gonna, was going to let me off. But God's favor led. Not only led, did he let me go, but he, he provided all these resources and, and all these people have, have come and rallied together. And we're starting to re, He's remembering every step along the way. And it's bolstered his faith because he remembers God's faithfulness in the past. And it's helping him have faith in the present. And you've got to remember, you've got to remember all those times when God was faithful, all those times when he saved you, forgave you, delivered you, helped you, and know that that same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's that ever-present help in time of need. And you can have confidence in going before the throne of grace to receive mercy, to receive what you need, because God wants to help you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you in need. Man, I can remember when we started our church 13 years ago and there was just a few of us in the living room and we had a vision of being a church that would focus on discipleship and, 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 and having a kids ministry and a vibrant student ministry. And there was just a few of us, but we began to grow and, and the Lord opened up the door for us to go to the Bob Beard Elementary School. And we were there just for a couple of months and we found out, man, that we got some opposition that we couldn't meet there during the summer. We were like just a couple of months in and we're already homeless. God, what are you going to do? Was it, was it your will? How, what's going on? I mean, those were the questions, the doubts that people had in our, on our team. But the same week that a church was leaving the Silverado movie theater was the same week that the door opened for us to go in. And we were there for six years and we saw God's faithfulness and, and people began to, to surrender the life to Jesus. And we saw marriages restored and miracle after miracle. And God gave us a heart that we would have a permanent stake in our community. And we didn't have enough money to, to buy land and build a building. So we started taking prayer walk after prayer walk on this land. And God's favor led to the favor of the Green family, he owns Hobby Lobby. And they, they, gave, they bought this land and get, just gave it to us. And, and, we, and we built this building for the glory of God and for you. And, and, but God never just gave us a vision just that we would be inward and for ourselves, but that we would see small groups multiplied in our community, see new churches started. And so we, we started a gateway school of ministry and that we would train you, train teams, the people to be sent out. And, and we got a burden for the hill country towns of Bandera, 30 miles up the road. And we discovered that there was just a half a dozen people meeting in a building and, and they offered it up for adoption. And, and we, we started a church there. And, it, and, and so no matter the obstacle that we face, we remember how God had been faithful over and over and over. And it just bolters our faith that believe that God will have a breakthrough no matter what we face, no matter the warfare, the resistance, or the enemy. We can believe that God is bigger than that, that he will help us overcome, that he will help us redeem. And he'll do this in your life, no matter the negative physical report of you or someone that you love. No matter that your hours are being cut back or you've lost your job, no matter what the threat is physically, emotionally, spiritually, God is bigger and he wants you to trust him and to endure and not give up and put your eyes on him and he will help you overcome. He will give you the fight back. And that's what Nehemiah does. He, he, he says in verse 14, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight, people, fight. Stand up for what we believe and the goodness of our God. Fight for your families, he says. 
And that's what we need to do. We need to fight for the Lord and fight spiritually, even if he's fighting on our knees in prayer and fighting with the word of God. This is our sword today, isn't it? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for everything that we need. And we need to know the word of God. When Jesus, for 30 years, we don't see much opposition in Jesus's life. But the moment he's baptized in water and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased And then he goes in the desert to pray and fast for 40 days. And guess who showed up? Opposition. But every time there was temptation, how did Jesus respond? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. He used the word of God as his sword, and you're no different. You were created in his image. You are his son and your daughter, and you need to value the word of God. Read it, meditate, memorize the word of God because it becomes your sword to resist temptation, to hide it in your heart that you may walk pleasing before the Lord and that you become strong. And then when you're in battle, you'll know how to use your sword. Because the reality is you are in a battle and some of you are not aware of how the enemy fights. And so when he fights, then you get discouraged and give up. Happens over and over. But if you can understand your identity as his son and daughter and that you have a sword and that you are called to fight. We're not promised that it would be trial free or it'd be easy. And if you want it easy, just coast along and be inward all your life. But if you want to be a part of God's kingdom advancing and make a real difference, then you can expect opposition. But oftentimes it's just for a season. And if you can realize that, man, if you just endure your breakthroughs on the other side, don't give up before your breakthrough. God wants you to fight. He wants you to to be grateful. And here's here's some just convictions that if you would embrace during combat, you will be successful. First, have a heart of gratitude. Be thankful, be thankful. Because when you worry what's happening, when you're having anxiety, you're just focusing on the negative, the worst case over and over and over. But if you have a heart of gratitude, you're saying, God, I'm remembering and I'm grateful for all the blessings in my life, all my relations, what I have. And if you write out all of your, your, your things that you're thankful for and you begin to voice it, let the, 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 the confession of your mouth be pleasing before the Lord. And when, when something happens with a heart of gratitude, again, it shifts your focus from what you see to who, how awesome and how good God is. So have a heart of gratitude. And, and second, honor. Honor and bless the Lord. Speak it out in faith. Like you need to have faith that rises up within you and a God that is greater than anything that you can face. You need to believe that. Don't doubt that. Have strong faith to endure, persevere, overcome. Don't give up. Honor other people. Honor people better than yourself. And then serve. Have a, heart, a life of service, marked by service. What is the next brick in front of you that you, can, that you can build on top of each other? What's that next step of faithfulness that the Holy Spirit would guide you? How can you give to help someone who's in need? How can you use your time and talent and treasure Leverage that to help other people. And when you serve, God sees that. He sees that when in a storm, when you want to be inward and just try to survive and preserve what you have, and then you just say, God, in the middle of this, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to thank you. And I'm going to take a step of faith. And I'm going to fight. And I'm going to have faith in you. God pours out his spirit. He gives you the grace and supernatural strength. Nehemiah needed that. It says in chapter three that he cried out for God to supernaturally strengthen his hands. He knew in himself he was going to be weak. 
But that's why he knew to be dependent upon the Lord. And God gave his strength to sustain him. And God will give strength, get grace to sustain you in your hour of need. He will help you. And if you endure, you're going to see how God redeems this. Over and over, we see people who were, had no freedom and they were struggling with addictions and strongholds. And when they experience the freedom in Christ and become discipled, they have a burden to help other people. Everybody in our, everybody in our regeneration, all of our leaders that are helping other people were once in bondage. And God's gonna do that. Or maybe you're in debt and you're struggling and you see no light. If you'd be faithful and trust the Lord in time, he's gonna, he's gonna, there's gonna be a breakthrough and there's gonna be freedom there. Trust the Lord, trust him. Would you stand to your feet? And let's fight spiritually right now. Let's be men and women who are strong in the Lord. We are not weak, you are not weak. He loves you, he is with you. And together, if we unite our voices and we are acknowledge that we are in the presence of the Lord, just close your eyes right now. Let's take every thought to captivity of Jesus. Let's not think of the worst. Let's not get so focused on the worries of, of tomorrow. Let's just seize this moment. Let's have a heart of gratitude. Just in your own words right now, would you just express thanksgiving to the Lord for all of the blessings that he's given you? Come on, let's just lift up your voices right now. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. We're not entitled to these things. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who comforts and guides us. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for your provisions. Come on, just, let's just let this be a cultivate an atmosphere of thanksgiving and gratitude. It pleases the heart of the Lord. We love you. We praise you. Now let's just confess whatever that obstacle, whatever the opposition is, let's just confess it one time. We're not going to give it more time than necessary. But whatever it is, whatever is standing between you and God, between you and the mission, whatever's been distracting you, causing you worry, distorting you, bringing doubt, whatever it is, just say, I surrender it to Jesus. Whatever it is, fill in the blank and just give that burden to the Lord right now. We surrender it to you right now, Lord. We give this over to you. We've been weary in our souls and our minds. And Father, we surrender to you. And I pray that you would usher in peace, joy, rest, and weary souls right now. Whatever it is, whether it's financially or relationship or at work, whatever is causing you, let's just surrender it to the Lord. Now let's just worship God. Let's remember how good and how faithful he is. It's important for us to have a high understanding of God as we worship and honor him. Just tell him right now, however the Holy Spirit reminds you how good he is. What are his character and his nature? What are his attributes that you can worship? Just go to begin to vocalize it, worship. Sing a new song to the Lord. God, you are our good shepherd. You are the way, the truth, and the life. God, you are victorious in every way. You overcame death, hell, and the grave. God, through the cross, we are saved, and we can have victory in you. Eternally, God, give us that eternal perspective that we are victorious in you, God. We thank you that whatever we face here on earth, we know that it's temporary, that it's just for a moment, Lord. Help us to rise above that spiritually in our minds. I pray that you would restore emotionally what was lost, spiritually, relationally. May we fight for our marriage, fight for your kingdom, God. I pray that you would instill that in us. Let it rise up 
up within us, even now as a church, God. We put our faith in you. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's lift up the name of Jesus.